crew members and either welcome or welcome back to At Least There's a Dog, a Star Trek Enterprise review podcast in which we will boldly go episode by episode through the Star Trek series that, whatever its flaws, undeniably has the most dog. We are your hosts, Mandy and Josh, and on tonight's show, our 50th show, we will be discussing season two, episode 24, First Flight. Yay, we did it! Or for us, 50th flight. Yeah, 50 episodes. This is not the 50th episode of Enterprise, is it? Or is it? I believe it is. Right, because we combined Broken Bow 1 and 2 into one episode, mm-hmm. and then we did our season 1 recap, and that's yeah. how we've gotten 50, 50 episodes. Yeah, at okay. the, after this season, we're no longer going to have the you know number of episodes match the number mm-hmm. of Enterprise episodes, because we're going to have this uh, season review episode, mm-hmm. but... Uh, that's okay. Yeah. No, we hit the big five zero, And so did they. And thinking about it, this feels like a 50th episode. You know what actually kind of does? Hmm. I hadn't even thought of that, but I like it. Um, it's also... Because we haven't really, yeah. like, looked back, aside from that one episode about T'Pol's grandmother since Broken Bow. Mm-hmm. And doing so again feels like 50th episode fodder. Yeah. But I actually really like this look back. Yeah, it was good. Um, I don't know that it was one of my favorites of the season, but it was certainly mm-hmm. good. Okay, yeah. It just, it, it made me pretty happy. Well, that's good. Um, and yeah, so, and we started, when did we start doing this? This was like in February or something like that? Time is a social construct. Time is a social construct. Maybe I should have looked this up before we started podcasting. We can look it up later. Yeah, we can. It's probably mostly a curiosity to us anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, under a year, 50 episodes out, it's not so bad. Not at all. Yeah. We might even get through season three before the baby's born. We might. Probably not, but we might. We might. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, additionally, after, you know, one of those secret, definitely didn't happen breaks in recording, um, yeah, we started, our first episode was March 31st. Yeah. So, so we, this is under under nine months to get through 50 episodes. Yeah. It's going to take more than nine months to get through the, the, the next 50 episodes. Probably. We got busier. Yeah. We've got it's other okay. things that are going to make us even more busy. In but the meantime. It, but we, the thing is, we really enjoy this. And for those of you who are listening to us, thank you. Especially those of you who've been around since episode one, which I know there have been some of you. Yeah. I, I'm glad that you guys are enjoying us kind of just talking about Star Trek. We would offer you some, you know, rewards or something to signify your special relationship with the podcast, but we do this on a budget of zero dollars and zero cents, so. Yeah, we, we have no budget for promotion. So, accept this very special podcast mention. Yes, if you've been listening to us for all 50 episodes, this goes out to you, specifically, and no one else. That's how it works. Should we talk about the episode now? Okay. All right. Uh, am I summarizing, I guess? I can go ahead and summarize. Sure, sure. All right. On this week in What is Star Trek Enterprise Ripping Off Today? If you're going to blatantly rip off something, you could do a lot worse than the right stuff. In this episode, that was quite the dog noise. In this episode, Archer and T'Pol have taken the shuttle pod out to investigate a possible dark matter nebula, But Archer is distracted because he just got news from Admiral Forrest that his old buddy from the earlier days of the NX program, A.G. Robinson, has died in a mountain climbing accident. 
to pass the time and help him process in between firing metrion particles at the nebula and T'Pol firing well-deserved rhetorical barbs at him, Archer tells T'Pol the story of his time in the test pilot program. Young, question mark, Archer, is <laughs> astonished and disappointed when he's passed over for the first Warp 2 flight in favor of Robinson. Robinson's disastrous flight brings out all of Archer's various complexes and not terribly latent daddy issues, but when the Vulcans recommend putting the NX program on hold as a result, Archer and Robinson team up with Lieutenant Charles Tucker III to prove they can go to Warp 2.5 safely. The result is a heartwarming and thought-provoking message about the necessity of risk-taking and the fragility of life, paired with a rather confusing timeline. Will young Archer prove that humanity is ready for deep space? Will Archer and T'Pol reveal the secrets of this nebula? Is it even possible to ask cliffhanger questions for an episode so charmingly predictable? <laughs> the star of the show, Porthos, is presumably the first dog to go to warp 2.5, or even higher. I suspect that's definitely the case. He did not go on any of the test flights, though. No, they... They haven't been using dogs as test pilots since the uh, 1950s. Wasn't that mostly a Soviet thing, too? Soviets are humans. Yeah, but I don't know anything about the Soviet test pilot programs. Except there was a dog. Maybe There were several dog. dogs. No, they, they had a whole bunch of dogs in the test pilot program there. Uh, Laika being the most famous and the first, though unfortunately did not survive. Um, really was not intended to survive. It's kind of tragic. Yeah, um, but kind of like the geckos many years later. The gecko, geckos were supposed to survive. That that one just went wrong. Ah. No, unfortunately, the case of Laika, basically they put Laika into a Sputnik-type vehicle, mm -hmm. and uh, there was no mechanism for it to safely return to Earth. Um, later on, they put uh, dogs into vehicles that were actually intended to safely return them to Earth. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, those dogs were all like, welcome back as heroes. Oh, well, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, they were trying to get like some sort of an anniversary of some communist thing. Aww. So they wanted the, the like a flight to happen before they were really ready to do it safely. Oh, poor puppy. Poor puppy. Anyway, that's sad. Let's not think about that. Yeah, let's not think about that. Um, yeah. So would you like to hear some a little bit of trivia about this? Certainly. So the 602 Club. Okay. The bar that they uh, spend half the episode at. Uh-huh. Any idea where that uh, name of the club comes from? Where the name 602 comes from? I was speculating an area code, but... Uh, area code speculation is an interesting one. I believe it's the Phoenix, Arizona area code. It is not, probably not anyway, that. Um, it seems most likely that it is based on a real bar uh, called the 602 Club, uh, located at 602 University Avenue in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, Rick Berman went to University of Madison, Wisconsin. University of Wisconsin, Madison? Yes, what you said. University of Wisconsin, Madison, <laughs> right um, in the 1960s. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, this, this was a very popular bar. Um, it was also a very inclusive bar. It was one of the few bars around that era where, like, uh, gay people could gather. Oh, um, well, that's cool. And be accepted. Yeah, um, the bar was open from, let's see, 1951 through 1994. Um, you know, the, That's quite a good run. Yeah, the owner and founder died in 92, so um, it wasn't too long after that that it was sold. Okay. 
but yeah, my the it seems most likely that this was uh, Rick Berman doing a little tribute to uh, a bar from his college town. Oh, that's that's cute. I like that. I like that much better than it being an area code. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So happy trivia for you. Thank you. And some other random little trivia bits. Uh, there was a thing that I was curious about, but not curious about to actually, not curious enough about to actually look it up, mm-hmm. which you apparently looked up mm-hmm. because we're on the same wavelength here, which was, was the bar waitress that Tucker was flirting with one of the girls that he talked about with Malcolm Reed in that terrible episode from the first season where they're trapped in Shuttlepod 1 together. Yeah, so Shuttlepod 1 does talk about the uh, 602 Club and that waitress there uh, named Ruby, who it turns out both Malcolm and Trip dated at some point. Did they date her or did they... Never mind. I don't know. We don't they had some sort of a relationship it. with them of some sort. I guess sort neither of them could guess what she wanted to name her kids. I guess not. And uh, I don't think there's any reason to have a clue what what she was thinking. Nope. There's no reason. Probably like Zephram or something like that. Who names their kid Zephram? Apparently the Cochrans. Apparently the Cochrans. But yeah, probably something like that. Or she just made that up and used it as a way to blow off the guys she didn't want to get married to. Ooh. Ooh, I like that theory. I like that theory. We're inventing this elaborate backstory for Ruby. She was cool, though. Yeah. Like, she was one of the more charismatic characters on screen. It's true. This Uh, wasn't really a very large cast episode, though. Most of the main cast wasn't even there. Yeah, most of the main cast was not even there. Um, There was, like, a couple of major guest stars. Obviously, uh, Von Armstrong came back. Mm -hmm. This time as Commodore... Uh, Forrest. Well, he was admirable. He was Admiral Forrest in the in the show. Yeah, in the show. But yeah, but in the flashback, Commodore, Commodore is is one of those ranks that doesn't show up in Star Trek very often. No, it it's shown up here and there, um, most notably and frustratingly in Star Trek Picard. Star Trek Picard. Yeah. Um, but there have been other examples, like in uh, some of the movies and mm-hmm. in a animated series episode. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, there aren't very many Commodores in Starfleet. And I don't actually know, I guess it's below the rank of Admiral? It is, yes. Um, and above the but rank it's of pretty, Captain? it's pretty high, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but most people seem to skip over that one. I guess they probably don't do all that much besides bring the Admiral's coffee. I, I guess so. Who knows? The, yeah. uh, the Starfleet ranks don't always make the most sense. Not really. Um, on the topic of guest stars, the big guest star for this episode was Keith Carradine, who mm-hmm. played uh, A.G. Robinson, and who is an Academy Award winner. Ooh, what did he win for? But not for acting. Okay, now you're going to have to explain. He won the Academy Award for Best Original Song. No kidding. Because he was both an actor in and wrote the theme song and possibly the score, I don't remember, for Robert Altman's 1975 film Nashville. Now you are throwing some some trivia at me. The tables have turned. These things happen. All right. Starting with episode 50, Mandy is the master of trivia now. No, because I already do things. (laughs) That can still be your bit, just sometimes I know things. You you actually know a lot of things. All right. But uh, yeah, 
the episode on the whole, it was pretty much borrowing the structure of the right oh, stuff. Oh, this is borrowing the structure, borrowing the, the characters, the, characters, the <laughs> attitudes, the message, everything. Archer is... even gets a lecture from Robinson at one point about how he doesn't have the right stuff yet, and yep. that's why he was passed over. Mm-hmm. So Archer is the Jaeger in the in mm-hmm. this episode, I guess. Something like that. Maybe not not quite the Jaeger. I mean, not quite. It doesn't line up no, exactly more of, more perfectly. More of like um, more of like the Gus Grissom. Um, so Alan Shepard got to do be the first person to go on a uh, suborbital rocket, um, and then John Glenn got to be the first. Uh, American, not person, first American to orbit the Earth. Um, and Grissom just got to be second suborbital launch. And second of anything is not as exciting as being first. And in fact, yeah, they kind true. of... They Archer kind of, points this out in the in the traditional no one remembers what Buzz Aldrin said when he stepped onto the moon. Exactly. Way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if it was totally a right stuff thing. I like that stuff, though. Yeah, like I said, and I know that like you have a particular fondness for the right stuff that is probably greater than what I have, but if you're going to blatantly rip off something, you could do worse than the right stuff as long as the Enterprise is going to or as long as Enterprise is going to keep ripping off things that are good, they're probably going to keep putting out at least decent material. Mm-hmm. So this is what y'all have to do when you're out of ideas. Go ahead. Yep. Rip off the the good stuff. Yep. Rip off the right stuff. Oh. No. Because no. it's no. like a pun. No. I decree that we're going into pluses and minuses now. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, I liked the characters. Uh-huh. Um, I liked... Uh, eh, I'll complain about that in a moment. But uh, I liked Archer, sort of. I mean, he's Archer. Um, he is. But like, I liked his, I liked his little team, mostly Robinson. I liked Admirable, I, I keep calling him Admirable Forest. I liked Ooh. Commodore Forest. Admirable um, Commodore Forest. This is the Admirable fir- is like part of his title Grr. This is the first episode. All rise for the Admirable Commodore Forest. I'm trying to say things over go here. Ahead, go ahead, <laughs> Um... This is the first episode where Von Armstrong's really gotten to do anything other than give status reports as uh, Commodore Admiral Forrest. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he was very likable. Mm-hmm. Like he was, you know, a little bit of a stuffed shirt as a top uh, as a top officer who's largely in charge of a bureaucracy is sometimes going to be. But you could tell that he really wanted them to succeed. He wanted them to succeed and he like wanted them to... He wanted to... to... Not to quite to be their friend, but he wanted to be the best commanding officer he could be. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he calls in Archer and gives him the bad news. And he's like expecting Archer to, to really take it personally. And he's he's trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they had a nice little crew. Yeah, no, I, I liked all of them. Uh, I thought it was interesting. They turned this into the origin story of mm-hmm. uh, Archer and Trip. Yeah. In fact, it was the origin story of Trip's nickname. It was. Um, I think I knew that, probably because of the wiki. But uh, I think this is the first time they've mentioned on the show where his nickname came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's just some lieutenant who just like pops up out of nowhere. Actually, I, that was one of my pluses. I kind of liked his uh, entrance. Like, we knew from earlier in the episode, because he said something to Archer, that he also knew this Robinson guy who had died in the mountain climbing accident. But mm-hmm. uh, 
they made that subtle enough that it was still a little bit of a surprise when he popped up later. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, like you hear him before you see him, and it's like, woo. Then he comes out and he's Tucker. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one other character who kind of got to do stuff here in this episode, and it was not in the flashbacks, but to Paul. I really, to Paul is also being, you know, maybe even, I think to Paul's had a lot of the humanness rub off on her. Mm-hmm. Um, she she's figured out, you know how to read humans a bit better and how to try to, you know, help them feel better. In season one, she would not have been the one who was like, you want to talk about it? Yeah. Well, she didn't actually ask that. She asked if... if she asked Ar- it in her she way. She asked if Archer wanted to join her in meditation. And that, I think, was the key. Which like, was to Paul's way of saying, do you want to talk about it? Exactly. Exactly. And it was really sweet. Um, she also got the best line of the episode, which was after Archer had started the part of the story where they steal the other uh, warp-capable spacecraft thing. And T'Pol says something about how... Uh, I find it difficult to believe you had to be... Uh, what was the word? I find it diff- difficult to believe you had to be convinced to participate. Yes, that But was I it. was looking for the <laughs> setup to that line. Oh, okay. Um, where she had said, there's nothing, I don't remember anything in the Earth records about uh, a couple of test pilots stealing uh-huh. an NX experimental spacecraft. Mm-hmm. And Archer says something like, well, it wasn't really something they wanted to uh, spread around. Mm-hmm. And T'Pol says, I believe you. I just find oh, it yes. difficult <laughs> to believe you had to be convinced to participate. Yeah. Yeah, so she got some, as I said in the summary, good rhetorical barbs. Yeah, she did. Uh, I'm going to save that one. Because it there, goes along with something else. There were, uh, if, if I may, mm-hmm. there were actually a lot of good lines in this episode. Um, humans can have funny ways of forming friendships. It's true and also good. And I believe T'Pol's reaction was to say the least or something like that. Yes, something like that. Um, yeah, dialogue all, was good. Also, uh, at the very end of the episode, um, Archer telling Trip, "Oh man, would have you should have seen it." And, <laughs> and he was like, says, "Tucker says, I'll remember to ask you next time." Because Tucker had totally like had... begged to go on this yeah. mission with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now that was good. That was great. Yeah. It was good that this episode was a whole lot of people making fun of Archer. More episodes should be like that. I agree. I agree. Um, The end of this episode was much better than the beginning. It was an episode that got better as it went along, I thought. Okay. Um, I'm going to complain about the early parts of the episode later, so I'll just leave it at that for now. Okay. The end when they got to a whole bunch of stuff about just like how fragile and unpredictable life is because like you know that he's not going to be seeing Robinson out there because they established that at the very beginning of the episode. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that emotional beat really hit home for me. Okay. Okay. I liked the the design of their launch facility. Mm -hmm. Um, Setting up the ships on... What looked like a magnetic railgun was. I like the roller coaster launch pad. Yeah. Yeah, um, like that's something that has been, you know, researched as a potential launching uh, mechanism, and uh, pretty cool to see it there. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it makes sense to to use something like that because uh, 
you don't want to be carrying around big rocket engines to leave Earth's uh, gravity. Um, and you probably don't want to have a whole bunch of antimatter on a, a conventional rocket engine either. So You would know more about this than I would. Yeah, no, it was, it was cool. Okay. Uh, related to that, uh, the CG was not bad in this episode. It was very obviously CG, but it was not bad. Like, are you thinking of anything in particular? I'm thinking of the uh, the hangar, like... Ah, I see. Before they stole the ship, mm-hmm. when the ship was in there. Gotcha. I was like, this is recognizably CG, but especially given some of the other crap they've put in CG <laughs> for the early 2000s, this is not half bad. All right. All right. Um, Ruby. I don't know if I... I guess maybe I mentioned it before. Ruby is a good character. Yeah. She didn't even have that much to do, but... Uh... She She's a like a fully formed character who comes in and... You know, doesn't even need to do all that much. Mm-hmm. Just like she's got aspects to her that we don't even know. And that's fun. Yeah. A good actor can do that with a very small role. And it shows that uh, a waitress can be an interesting character on Enterprise. Just not if it's Hoshi. Oof. Oof. They called Hoshi in to do one line for this episode. That they did. That they did. Uh, my last thing is to Paul's barbs, which we already covered. Yep. Um, I thought it was actually really sweet that, uh, T'Pol was the one to suggest calling it the Robinson Nebula. Mm, I saw it coming. Okay. Well, I liked it anyway. That's fine. You liked it. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they started having that conversation, I was like, okay, yeah, T'Pol's about to suggest that they call it the Robinson Nebula. Mm-hmm. Predictable doesn't mean bad. No. All right. Um, I'm ready to move on if you are. To minuses? Sure. What a crappy bar. Really? Like, I mean, not not in this, like, it didn't look like a dive or anything like that, but what kind of bar has one beer on the menu and no bouncer? Okay, the one <laughs> the one beer thing was kind of funny. Like... Archer and Robinson are slugging the living daylights out of each other and everybody's just standing there watching them. I mean... While they cause property damage. They're going for the whole right stuff thing where they've all got, like... Such hot, you know, emotions because they're so dedicated to I it don't that care. they have to punch each other a bunch. Any self-respecting bar, even a not self-respecting bar, would have somebody there to protect the premises from idiots like that. I don't know. Okay. Sure. Like, very nice that Rick Berman wanted to pay tribute to his old college town bar, but come on! I mean, this is supposed to be like the bar um, that all the test pilots went to. They would have more than one beer on the menu. And they yes. would also have a bouncer. Okay. They did not do a good job with the menu. I will I will grant you that. I will even expand on that. Um, what was that? Like, what kind of mushrooms were they? Oh, um... Deep fried mushrooms or something? Yeah, like those that? are good. Are they? Yeah. Don't sound good to me. Well, you don't like mushrooms. No, I don't. They're really good. Okay. Trust me on this one. We never saw anybody eat anything but pretzels, though. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, also, I liked that the episode contained a drug use warning because there were people who hung out in a bar. Yeah, the, the Amazon uh, version has a little TVPG with, what was it? like Drug use, foul, foul language, language, and brief violence. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I thought it was a little goofy. So this all apparently took place about 10 years the flashback was about 10 years before 
uh, where we are in Enterprise. Is that where it was supposed to be? Yeah. Okay. I was, that. that's my big minus for the episode. I was so confused about when this was supposed to take place and how old everybody was supposed to be. Yeah, I, I, I looked into that a little bit. Like, okay. they kind of dropped some hints about you know, it was this long till that, and then that, and that. It's a roughly 10 years. So they're all supposed to be 10 years younger than themselves? More or less, yeah. Okay, then, uh, all right, good. So I wasn't sure how much I wanted to complain about this because I wasn't clear on how much younger than themselves they were supposed to be because I was like, okay, maybe they're two or three years younger than themselves, in which case I can forgive there not being a whole lot of difference. The thing was that Connor Trenier seemed to be playing a much younger version of Trip. Mm-hmm. Like, he still looked like himself. Yeah, they but... all looked like themselves, but maybe, you know, a little bit more makeup. A little bit more makeup, yeah. A um, little bit different posture. But, like, Connor Trenier was playing a much younger Tucker. Mm-hmm. Scott Bakula was not playing a much younger Archer. Scott Bakula can't play anything other than Scott Bakula. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that was a problem in this episode. Okay, yes, yes, kind of. Like, also, I just wasn't clear on how old they were supposed to be. And as a result, how old are they supposed to be now? They probably would have been better off if they had uh, laid out what their... How long ago this flashback took in the beginning... As opposed to waiting until the very end, where it's like, and then five years later, you know, they broke Warp 3, and then, you know, like so long after that, we had the NX-01 program. And yeah. we know that and we know that this is taking place roughly two years into the uh, NX-01 flight, because we're at the end of the second season. And don't get me wrong, Keith Carradine did a great job in the role that he was given, but I did think, like, he's, he's not young at this point. Like, he was an established actor in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So he was probably the oldest person on screen most of the time. And because of that, I couldn't tell how old this group was supposed to be either. Because, like, the the test pilots and the right stuff were all pretty young, weren't they? Um, uh, they were... There was an age range. They were all in, I think, their, their 20s or 30s. But the oldest ones were in their 30s. Nobody was in their 50s. Yeah. Yeah. So, like... I got the impression that they were supposed to be young, brash hotheads at this point in time, and that was certainly what Archer's storytelling implied. But they I was totally like, were, though. are these young, brash hotheads who are 45? Why not? Aside from Tucker, who's when 22? I'm, when I'm 45, I hope to be young and brash. Oh, dear. As opposed to now when I'm old and careful. I wouldn't mind that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> if I got younger when I got older? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Because right now you complain way too much about how old you are. Oh, I'm not going to stop doing that. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, nobody has any idea how old they're supposed to be except Tucker, who apparently thinks he's in college. Yeah, I I just, I found it was a little bit odd how, how they, they're all pretty much exactly what they are now with some small differences. Everyone was exactly one rank lower. But the difference was still there and in part it's because... Connor Trenier is a really good actor, and Scott Bakula is Scott Bakula. But yeah, uh, but like he was playing, like he was still playing fundamentally the same character, but he was playing a much brighter-eyed, bushier-tailed, slightly more Tucker version of Tucker. Mm-hmm. And so I could tell that, like, okay, he's supposed to be significantly younger. Are he and Archer just aging at different rates? <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. That uh, that resolves my big 
beef with the episode. All right. Um, that one was mine. Oh, well, we'll go on to my <laughs> other big, like, I don't have a lot of these because, again, it was a good episode. It was. But my other big beef with the episode was that uh, for most of it, I did not really think there was any suspense or any stakes. We know that nothing terrible happened to Robinson on his first flight uh-huh. because we know that he just died. Mm-hmm. We know that Archer and Robinson didn't get kicked out of Starfleet for stealing the shuttle because Archer's still in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And from the sound of it, so was Robinson. Okay. And it wouldn't have made sense for one of them to get kicked out and not the other. And so everything that the show was trying to base its stakes around was something that we already knew the outcome on. Yeah, fair enough. We even know that uh, the Vulcans don't shut down the program. We also know that because, lo and behold, we're watching a TV show about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so because of that, they had a very difficult time maintaining any sort of suspense a cute little thing, like the um, they they just, the NX program is apparently the Starfleet experimental like warp vessel program, um, and so Enterprise is NX01, um, and so they had to go lower than NX01 for these test flights. So they went with NX Alpha and Beta. Yeah, I, I guess get, that's as good a naming scheme s- as any. I guess they squeezed it in, squeeze mm-hmm. in their your prior to NX01 thing. Yeah, I don't know exactly how I would have resolved the extreme lack of stakes thing. Um, Because they did kind of need to reveal that that, um, Robinson had died in order to set off the conversation between Archer and T'Pol. I guess, I don't know. There needed to be something going on where either we weren't sure how it was going to resolve, or even if we were sure how it was going to resolve, we weren't sure how it was going to get there. And they didn't have either of those things, really. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. And you're right. But I still enjoyed it. No, it was an enjoyable episode. Again, predictable doesn't mean bad. It just means predictable. And it meant that uh, I was not as emotionally invested in this episode as I have been in others. Fair in enough. The series. That you are, you are correct. Um, I thought it was kind of silly that it took only three people to steal a starship. Only one of whom... Y'all have crap security. Only one of whom was outside the starship. Basically, Trip Tucker single-handedly steals this ship. Not only that, modifies the ship so that the people inside the ship have additional control over the um, intermix, which I think has something to do with mm-hmm. antimatter. Um, and uh, then, like, hotwires the security system... And of course, like their sensors show that the that the uh, NX Beta is up in orbit, and they're like, "Oh wow, um, has anyone looked?" <laughs> well, and they had to be told that it was missing by New Berlin, apparently. Yeah. Which I don't know where New Berlin is, but it ain't there. Yeah, I'm actually really curious where New Berlin is. Maybe I should look that up for for another day. For another day, yes. But uh, yeah, no, I hadn't thought that much about that. But man, y'all have crappy security. Yeah. The Vulcans are right about you. I mean, it does kind of go along with uh, what we've seen so far. <laughs> it is incredibly easy to steal a starship. It's also incredibly easy to have it then stolen back from you. Yes. But like, remember when four Ferengi stole the NX-01? Yep. <laughs> And not even or not terribly smart for Angie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
yeah like what what ship hasn't been stolen in star trek i think they've all been stolen it's kind of how it goes yeah yeah so we can and in tell none of those cases was it terribly difficult we can tell that uh starship stealing has a long and storied history in starfleet <laughs> yay consistency i guess <laughs> Uh, my list is up, so if you have anything else. Oh, I'm just, I'm really curious what Ruby's baby name would have been. That's all. Like, they kind of introduced it and dropped it. It's fine, but would have been cool to... Tucker never guessed his own name, did he? Um, Not in that episode, but presumably he, he named, probably like, guessed his two own. or three people every time he went into the bar or something? Presumably, yes. Mm-hmm. I still or think, or maybe we just go along with your. I still theory. think it was just a ploy to get drunk guys to stop hitting on her. Sounds fair. Or at least to establish some predictability in the way that they would hit on her. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, are we are we good? I think we're good. Okay, in that case, we just have some uh, forecasting and reporting and, reporting, and so, some awards. Yeah, I should have gone with the obvious thing. Yeah, you should have. You don't actually have to be different from me. No, I guess not. Um, but yeah, yeah no, no Travis in this episode, none whatsoever. Not at all. Which, like, it's fine. This was, uh, this was kind of a outside guest cast focused episode. Like, Flox also wasn't in this episode. Reed also wasn't in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's fine. I don't have any complaints about him not being there. Just I win again. Yep. So next week we have Bounty, which until I learn otherwise, I'm going to assume will rip off Mutiny on the Bounty. Sure. I was thinking it was going to be ripping off a paper towel commercial. The quilted quicker picker-upper? Yeah. Well, if that's the case, we might see, uh, I don't know, Travis's abs. Oh, no, wait, that's Brawny. Brawny has the muscular guy. (laughs) Who's the the mascot? Um, I'm going to say three, regardless. Because I don't think they'll totally keep him out of the episode, but I don't think he's going to be big. Okay, and I'm going to say one. Three versus one. I think you've guessed one for like the last three episodes. And I'm always wrong. One of these days I should, uh, <laughs> one of these days I'll, well, by one of these days, I mean, before we do the season two recap, I'm going to have to do the statistics and see uh, what the correct answer usually is. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a thing for later. Yep. And then we can refine the Mayweather forecast and report for next season. Anyway, that just means that we have a Kirk Award to do. Yeah. Every show, we bestow the James Tiberius Kirk Award on the character who spends the episode keeping the Star Trek legacy alive by doing the best William Shatner impersonation. And for this one, I am going to vote that we award it to Robinson, the man who taught Archer how to Kirk. Yes. (laughs) But But then has to be taught how to Kirk harder by the person he taught how to Kirk. Yep. But the point is, he instigated the Kirk. He was the instigator of the Kirkification. All right, so congratulations, Robinson, whom we will never see again. Yep. You did what en- you were there to do. Enjoy your Nebula and your Kirk Award. Yep, you get a Nebula and a Kirk Award. Good consolation prizes. Note that we cannot actually give out the Nebula Award. That is different. That is very different. All right, is that a wrap? That's a wrap. Okay. Well, as always, thank you for listening. 
If you are enjoying this, please tell all your friends and family members to join the crew. If you're really enjoying this, please consider leaving us a rating, review, or signing up for a subscription on the podcast platform of your choice. If you would like to tell us how we have brightened your day, or if you have some suggestions for the show, shoot us an email at atleastthersadog at gmail.com. And if you are watching along with us, your next viewing assignment is, as previously established, Bounty. Take care of yourselves, and until next time, remember to go wherever your heart will take you. Bye. Bye. Testing. Mic check. So, the only thing I can think of is that I have Santa Baby stuck in my head right now. I see. <laughs> you want a There's deed? There's one more thing that I need. A, a deed. To a dilithium mine. <laughs>